All right. Well, good morning, kids. How are you? I'm really good. Is my mic on? Can you guys hear me? All right. Good. Good morning. How many of you are excited that school is out and it's summer break? All right. A few of us. How many of you parents are excited that school is out and it's summer break? I see the grandparents with their hands up, but not so much the parents. I'm not sure what that's all about. Well, hey, how, have you ever had to do something scary? Yeah. yeah? What's something scary you've had to do? Anybody think of something? Going to a funeral of a loved one. Yeah, that, that can be really scary. Yeah, and sad. That's right, Zach. Yeah. Somebody else? How many of you were scared coming up here this morning? Like walking down in front of all these people? Yeah, that was scary, right? You know, a lot of times in life, there are things that scare us. There are things that feel hard. And in church today, we're talking about how sometimes in life, things are really hard and challenging. And when things are hard and challenging, we have a very comforting promise. And that's that God is always with us. No matter how scary something is that's in front of us, how hard something might be to do, God is with us. A couple years ago, today actually, two years ago today, Sam and I, my oldest son, went to Chicago. And we were on a father-son trip and went to Navy Pier. And they had those big swings that swing you all around. And those were scary, right? Sam was a little scared to get on the swings. But afterwards, he's like, that was the best thing ever. Can we do it again? And I was like, no, it was $15. (laughs) So that's a one-hit wonder, okay? But sometimes we're scared. It's helpful to remember the Bible tells us that we have a helper who is always with us. Does anyone know who the helper who's always with us? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is always with us. In fact, right here, I have a Russian doll that's, that's painted in Miami Dolphins colors. Why, you ask? Because the Dolphins are the greatest football team of all time. All right. I know this is Bronco country, but we are Miami Dolphins people. Okay. 1972. The only, okay. That's not here or there. All right. Before my time. But this represents you. And the Bible tells us that whenever we come to know Jesus and start to follow him, that he sends us a helper named the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is part of God, part of the Trinity, and he comes to live. The Bible tells us when we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. How cool is that? And so no matter where you go or what you do, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is always with you. So one of my absolute favorite prayers whenever I'm afraid is I just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. God, I know you're with me, so I don't have to be afraid. So whether it's going to the funeral of someone that we love and miss, or whether it's doing something scary like starting at a new school or going to a new grade or, or walking down and sitting on the carpet, the Holy Spirit is your helper, and he is always with you. So that's one of my favorite prayers I wanted to share with you today. When you're scared, just remember, you don't have to be afraid because the Holy Spirit is in you and God is always with you. Amen? All right, you can be dismissed and head out to kids' class. Uh, Watch out for the camera there. You don't want to knock that over. All right, you guys can head out now. And at this time, I want to invite Ash. And we are thrilled This morning to welcome our new transitional pastors, Randy and Carrie Bear, with us. So we invite all of you to come forward. Where the stories at? Thank you. Well. 
Well, we just want to take a few moments to sort of introduce, get to know the Bears. And um, what I want to say about them is it has been a delight to sort of watch them journey uh, into saying yes to this role. And so um, there's great excitement on our end. I think they're excited too. Um, but what these two people are going to bring to our church, we can only pray is beyond what we could imagine or really dream. And so they are really a gift to us. And so um, a couple of things to know is that they're here this weekend. They've been at the prayer retreat with us, sort of just sitting alongside, learning, sharing meals with us. It's been really delightful. And they're mm -hmm. here just for the weekend. They're, he's going to get a chance to meet the staff tomorrow, spend some time with our elders. Um, and then they're going back to Spokane. Um, and then you'll see them again for a little bit in June. And then they'll go back to Spokane. But then they'll be here um, to kind of stay sort of the second week of July. So if you're like, where did he go after this morning? <laughs> he's coming back. We he didn't scare him, I promise. Um, but he's not quite fully here, but he wanted to come be with us, and we wanted you to get a chance to, to begin to get to know them. So um, he doesn't know I'm going to ask him this question. We didn't talk about this, but um, are you a Broncos fan? This is very oh. important to us. Okay. Well, true confession. First of all, Daniel, thank you for that. Children, that spoke to my heart, because this is scary, meeting a whole new group of people. Uh, so I'm glad the Holy Spirit is with us this morning. But, you know, I, I, I'm a 49ers fan, I, okay. I have to say. At least it's not the Seahawks. That's yeah. what we needed to know. And in the, in the last church that, that I served in Florida, we had uh, a wonderful guy named Glenn Blackwood who was uh, uh, an all-pro Miami Dolphins free safety. And okay. he, has, he sort of converted me to the Dolphins, too. So there you go. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit of just how or what your journey was when you came mm. to faith. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, it's what really began to knit our hearts together with your congregation was that I, as a freshman at Cal Berkeley, uh, my, my, I was living in a fraternity house, and my roommate uh, was a member of the Presbyterian Church. And he said, at one point, he said, you know, have you ever gone to church? And I had never been to church. I'd grown up. Sunday mornings, I'd grown up, you know, doing what secular people do. That's what my parents had raised us. So we were secular. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll try anything once. And it was that congregation and hearing the gospel preached through uh, Dr. Earl Palmer and the love of that congregation that set, laid the, the seeds in my life and I gave my life to Christ on Christmas Day of my freshman year. And, and that's why you are in such a strategic place, because college students are in this community and have been through your whole history. And I'm excited to join you in that journey. And part of your mission is that university. Yep. Go Buffs, right? Yeah. Go Buffs. Um, well, tell us a little bit about kind of your first pastoral call or when you mm. knew God was calling you to mm -hmm. be a pastor. I, well, it, you know, you, don't, you really want to know that you've heard from the Lord when you make a tough decision in life, don't you? Yeah. And I was absolutely set from, uh, really, when I was a kid, I wanted to be just like my dad. He was an attorney. I have that in me. I can argue with the best of them. Uh, it's been partly redeemed by the Lord, and he's still working on me. So that was my track. I was, I was majoring in history, minoring in rhetoric, and I was headed that way. And I was determined that's what I was going to do. And God just said, no, 
you are, I'm calling you into ministry. And so I began to work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and then began to hear God's call to go to seminary and then into the Presbyterian uh, pastor ranks. So, And this has been a cool story to just sort of hear bits and pieces of, but could you talk a little bit about kind of when you sort of started to begin to hear God call you here yeah. at Grace Commons? Yeah. Well, that was such a clear call. I have to tell you, I have to be totally honest. We moved to Spokane. I promised this faithful woman, we've been married 41 years, this was the last move. <laughs> and I, I intended to honor that promise. Uh, but we were sitting in our home, like you experienced during the pandemic, attending our church, uh, First Presbyterian Church of Spokane, and the pastor preached from Exodus 3. The call of Moses, the burning bush. And I began to weep during the sermon. And I don't do that uh, very often. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm, this, I'm a white guy. You know, I'm a white male guy. I, you don't cry. Uh, and, and it was the Holy Spirit just came upon me and said, Randy, you have to take this seriously. And I had already been contacted by your search committee. And I just began to hear God speak. Be open. Be open. And God just began to move in our hearts to uh, open us to come and join you on your particular journey of transition. So I am totally clear that the Lord has spoken to me in a way that is really the only other times was when I came to faith in Christ and when I heard the call to be a pastor. So this was, this was a remarkable uh, uh, call from God. And yeah. to marry me. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> Carrie said to marry her as well. That feels important to, <laughs> to be sure everyone heard. Um, yeah. And just to sort of mirror that story a little bit, um, when Randy had an opportunity to come meet our elders and sit with Session for a little bit, um, there was also just this sense of peace and like mm -hmm. unity among mm -hmm. our session about him. And so uh, as much as we felt like he felt like God was calling him to hear, we felt like he, God was calling him to hear as well. So mm -hmm. it's really just this great partnership that's mm -hmm. already begun that mm -hmm. we're really excited about. Um, you guys have two children um, mm -hmm. and some grandkids. Can you talk to us just a little bit about like what's your yeah. favorite part about family life right yeah. now? Well, we're, uh, we had a plans for a family vacation later this month in Oregon and uh, we negotiated with our four adult children. Uh, we have two sons and, and their wives, and, uh, and we had to consult our grandchildren as well. They're nine and six, Mita and Nolan. And we're coming to Colorado for vacation. So uh, we'll be making a quick stop here and then going up to uh, the mountains uh, and just enjoying a week together as a family. And that is just such a delight of our lives to be grandparents uh, it, it's it, frankly the hardest thing was to leave our grandchildren in Spokane, but they are excited. They're praying for us. Uh, they're so sweet. You know, we're going to give you up, <laughs> Pop Pop and Mimi, and we're going to be praying for you during this journey. Yeah. Well, Carrie, what would you have to say, clarify, or, you know, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, he, he told the truth for the most part. And, um, <laughs> I just want to say we have been very warmly welcomed so far. Thank mm. you for that. Um, I have no hesitation. I'm all in. It, the call is as clear to me as it is to Randy. And how can you not come to a church where the illustration is a Russian doll 
that looks like a Miami Dolphin football player to mm -hmm. illustrate the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How can you not come to a church that does things like that? So, so anyway, we're, we're all in, and we're just delighted. We love Boulder. Mm -hmm. Thank you for welcoming us. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank well, you. Let me pray for them, mm -hmm. and we'll pray for you together, and then uh, we'll move on. But Lord, thank you for the bears. Thank you for the gift that they are already and that they will be to this place. We just pray that you would anoint them, that the transition from Spokane to here would be smooth, peaceful, and a real joy. We pray over that vacation that um, their family would fall in love with our beautiful state and this place that we get to call home. And would you make it home for them? Lord, would you go before them in their work here at Grace Commons and in our city, um, mm -hmm. sort of paving the way for the Holy Spirit to be working and moving through them and in them. We are grateful for you and your love for us, Jesus. It's in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank right. you. Thanks. Thank you. Amen, amen. We are thrilled to welcome you to Grace Commons and uh, so glad that you're here. Thanks for listening to the Lord and saying yes. Well, my name's Daniel and I have the privilege of continuing the series we're in called Half Truths. This is week two and today you are going to witness a miracle. I'm going to preach for less than 20 minutes. All right. This is a miracle on the scale of Moses parting the Red Sea. And I've been informed that if I don't do that, they may revoke my Presbyterian card. So I've got to make sure that I, I get it in there. But I have a short, uh, poignant, uh, hopefully clear message. Uh, a lot of exciting elements today, including worshiping and sharing the Lord's table together. And so let me open this in prayer because how many of you know we're going to need the Holy Spirit's help to get this done in 20 minutes? Father, we come before you now and just give this morning to you. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth and scripture. Lord, we thank you for this body, for each man, woman, and child that calls this home, for those who are visiting with us, for those who are joining us online. God, we give you thanks that we can be together in these different ways this morning to hear from you. And so, Lord, now we pray as we dive into today's message, Lord, that you would open our hearts to the truth of your word. Open our eyes to see you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to draw us into the arms of the loving Father as we worship our Savior together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, one thing I know is that many of you in this room right now are going through a hard time. I've met with folks this week who, who feel like they're in a tough place and just can't go on. Sometimes the burden that we're carrying feels too heavy to bear. And we're not convinced we're going to make it. We have times like this. And I want to just reassure you this morning that no matter what you're going through, you are going to make it. Right? Because God will never give you more than you can bear. Right? God will never give you more than you can bear. No matter how hard life is, no matter how difficult things have become, God never gives us more than we can bear. How many of you have heard something like that before? And see, almost every Christian has heard some variation on these words, that God never gives us more than we can handle, that God never gives us more than we can bear. And friends, I want to suggest to you today that that is a half 
truth. This is one of those biblical promises we cling to when the going gets tough, that God won't give me more than we can handle. The only problem with that biblical promise is it's not biblical. What? Stay with me. Right? We've heard that, right? God will never give us more than we can bear. We've, we've heard it. We've repeated it. We've shared it. We've clung to it. It's gotten us through some difficult times. But I'm not convinced that it's entirely true. There is truth in that statement, but it's a half-truth. All right? The scripture passage that most people uh, point to when they tell us this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So if you have your Bibles and want to open there, uh, as you're getting there, I'll tell you how it's usually paraphrased. All right, this verse is usually paraphrased, and, and when, I see, when I say paraphrased, to be clear, what I mean is, is misquoted, that God won't give you more than you can handle. But let's look at what this verse actually says together. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So this particular passage where we get this half-truth that God never gives us more than we can bear isn't talking about the trials and tribulations of life. It's not talking about the difficulty that we have to endure. It's not talking about the adversity that faces all of us at some point in our life. It's talking about temptation. In fact, the Greek word there where no temptation has seized you is, is the, the word that means to test. There's no test when it comes to temptation. See, Paul is writing this, this particular verse to the church in Corinth. And if you know anything about the church in Corinth, you know that they were kind of a messed up people, a, a very uh, lewd culture. Uh, part of the regular uh, practice for Corinthians was idolatry and sexual immorality. In fact, part of their worship of the Lord was going to the temple to visit temple prostitutes. And so Paul, who helped establish a church in Corinth, is writing to them and trying to instruct them and teach them and train them in how they should live, right, so that they wouldn't live as Corinthians live. In fact, that was a saying in ancient Corinth, to live as a Corinthian, which meant to, to be drunk and, and to take sexual license. And so when Paul is saying this, he's addressing the particular context of idolatry and sexual morality, and he's instructing them that these temptations that they're facing, that's part of the culture uh, that they grew up in, part of their, their home society, that this culture, they don't have to give into it, that God's not going to let them be tested beyond what they can bear. And when they're tempted, God is faithful to provide a way out so they can stand under it. So this is dealing, this passage is dealing with temptation, not with trials and tribulations, not with difficulty that we face in life. And this is good news for us when we are tempted. How many of you have been tempted this week in some way or another, right? How many of you are, are lying right now because you didn't raise your hand, <laughs> right? We are all tempted from time to time. We all face temptations. In fact, I was tempted just this weekend at the prayer retreat. I had a serious temptation. Ms. Janet Schultz, the legend who holds this church together, the puppet master of all things, all right, she baked brownies, good brownies. I'm talking about brownies that are like crispy on the outside, but gooey inside and full of big chocolate chunks. Not chocolate chips, but chocolate chunks. These are good brownies. And, and you might tell I've been trying to diet. And I was talking to someone uh, on Friday night, but I was just looking at the brownies. 
and there was temptation in front of me, and there was a way out. The problem, how many of you know when you're tempted, it's not that God doesn't provide a way out, it's that we often don't want to take it, right? It's like God will put some speed bumps on the road to temptation, but we bounce over them, trying as hard as we can not to notice them. And, and I tell you, one of the brownies actually spoke to me. It said, Daniel, eat me. And so I did. I had a brownie, but I was good. I took the smallest brownie in the stack, okay? So don't judge me too hard. The only problem was after I took the smallest brownie in the stack, I went back and got the biggest brownie because the small one was so good. And, and then Saturday, I had two more brownies, and I woke up knowing I'm going, to, I'm going to give in to temptation today, all right? So when it comes to brownies and breaking your diet, it's not the end of the world, but sometimes there's temptations we face that are much greater, that are much more sinister. And whether it's, it's eating a brownie you shouldn't or robbing a bank or anything else, right, God always provides a way out of temptation. That is great news. So the reason that this is a half-truth, that God will never give you more than you can handle, because it's true when we talk about temptation. But when we talk about trials and tribulations, the hardships of life, I'm not convinced that that's true. I'm not convinced that God ever said he won't give us more than we can handle. In fact, I'm quite sure of the opposite. If you'd like to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll look at this passage together. You know, it's really hard to know if I'm preaching for 20 minutes when I didn't pay attention to what time I started. But, but we're rolling, we're rolling, okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, watch this. Okay, Paul talking here in verse 8. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Some of you can relate to that. Right now this morning, you feel like you were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. Did you hear that? Paul saying that we were under great pressure. And that pressure was far beyond our ability to endure. That's kind of the opposite, right, of God not giving us more than we can handle. Paul confesses. This pressure was incredible and it was beyond our ability to endure. So much so that we, we felt we had received the sentence. Oh, sorry. So much so that we despaired of life itself. That's a lot of pressure. Paul the great apostle was facing such great persecution, such strong trials and tribulations that he confesses to a church that he's their leader, that I was under such great pressure, I despaired of life itself. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, listen, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You see, sometimes in life when we go through these intense trials and tribulations, we have this great pressure. God is reminding us that we can rely on him, that we can trust in him. That when, you might have remembered some really attractive preacher said this last week, it was me. When life gets too much, his presence is enough. That's the comfort we have, that when life gets too much to handle, his presence with us is enough. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, that his grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in our weakness. And Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ might rest on me. So there Paul's recognizing again that hardships, difficulty, persecution, it's coming and it's difficult and it's hard to endure. But in those moments, we can take great comfort in knowing that he is with us. Whether we're sitting in this room or sitting at home, he is with you in whatever you're facing. 
In Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, David wrote this. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, David understood that because God was with him doesn't mean he's not going to go through the dark valleys. But he understood that when he goes through the dark valleys, that God is going to be there with him every step of the way. In fact, in Psalm 27, he wrote in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. You see, he understood again that no matter what's going on, when his enemies and foes attack him, when, when war breaks out against him, he's confident. Why? Because he is with me. God is with us. Emmanuel, and that means we can handle whatever life throws our way, okay? This whole idea that God won't give us more than we can handle, it's a little bit off. Because first of all, think about those first four words, God won't give me. It implies that everything bad in your life was from God. And we talked about that last week. If you missed it, check it out, right? We don't want to assume that everything's from God. God doesn't necessarily put all these things on us, but he is with us in all these things. In fact, the full truth isn't that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that God will help you handle whatever it is that you've been given. Yeah, I'll say that again. That was good. God won't, it's not that God won't give us more than we can handle. The truth is that God will help us handle whatever we've been given. I love how David wrote in Psalm 112, verse 7, that the righteous will have no fear of bad news. Why? Because their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. All right? The righteous will have no fear of bad news because our hearts are steadfast and we've learned to trust in the Lord. In fact, this week in Carrie shared a verse in our prayer retreat that goes perfectly with the message this morning. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, right? Isaiah writes, So don't be afraid because I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will help you and strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the promise of our God, that no matter what we're going through, he is with us and he will help us and he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. He will strengthen you for what you are facing. He will be with you in the midst of what you're facing. Again, Paul in in 2 Corinthians, let's look at one more passage together, just in case you're not feeling encouraged from the words yet. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 to, sorry, verses 8 uh, to 11. Check this out. This is, this is Paul again, right? We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. For we who are alive, that's us, all right? We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that in our more, so that, um, sorry, let me, I tried to start quoting, I missed it. 
For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Okay, that's the promise. That even though we face things that feel like death, that we despair of life itself, when those things happen, we remember the life of Christ in us. We remember the helper he sent us, the Holy Spirit who is with us. And we know that God didn't necessarily cause what we're going through, but he's all up in the midst of it, in the thick of it, with us. He is walking with us to strengthen us and to enable us. And that's why Paul later writes in the same, in the same chapter in verse 16, Therefore, because of this, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So friends, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what it is you're going through, but what I do know is that God is with you. I know that God is for you. I know that when life gets too much, his presence is enough. I want to close this morning, and this is a real closing. It's not my pretend closing. All right, I want to close this morning with a, with a poem by a woman named Ann Johnston Flint. But before I share this poem with you, I want to give you a little background to why she wrote this poem. You see, Ann, when she was three years old, lost her mother. Her mother passed away. And soon after, her father became so critically ill that he couldn't take care of her anymore. And so the father was, was forced to give Anne and her siblings up for adoption. And Annie was fortunate enough to be adopted by a family who loved her, that took care of her, and that was wonderful to her, the Flints. But before Annie graduated high school, both of the Flints also passed away as well. So Annie lost not one set of parents, but two while she was still a child. And while she was growing up in the Flint's home, she got a passion for education and she decided she wanted to become a teacher. So Annie worked super hard to go to school. And let me mention, she was born in 1866, okay, in a small town in New Jersey. And she was dedicated to becoming a teacher because she wanted to make an impact on other people's lives. And so she pursued her dream. She got her education. She, she got her degree and she, she landed her dream job as a teacher. But soon after landing her dream job as a teacher, she was diagnosed with a degenerative disease that basically made it to where within a number of years she couldn't walk, she was bound to a wheelchair, and she could no longer take care of herself. So she had to move into a home where all of her physical needs could be attended to. She lost her dream job. She lost her career. She lost her health. And while she was in this home, she began writing poetry. And the, the poem that she's most known for is called What God Hath Promised. And I want to close our time with that poem today. So we can have that up on the screen. God hath not promised skies always blue, flower-strown pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, or peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day. Rest for labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. What 
a beautiful point. That reminds us of what God has actually promised. It reminds us that we cling to him. And it's that undying love of our Savior that we celebrate every time we come to the Lord's table. So today we're going to share communion together as a reminder of the presence of God who is always with us. Of our Savior who loved us so much that he valued not his own life, but he gave up his throne in heaven and he came down here to live a perfect life on our behalf and to die a perfect death in our place. We are celebrating that undying love today and I want to invite Pastor Randy if he would join me at the table and together today we are going to serve communion. And I am aware that uh, if you did not receive a, a little cup, uh, we had a shipping situation and, and we might be short communion packets. So if you didn't get one when you walked in, there are tables at the back with individual cups and pieces of bread that uh, you can go and grab the elements if you haven't already received them. So feel free to do that at this time. So this is a, a beautiful moment, a powerful reminder of the presence of God who is with us. No matter what the storms of life have brought our way, God sent his son. God sent Emmanuel to be with us, to walk with us in the trials, to remind us that when life feels too much, he understands. You'll remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was sweating blood because his soul was so perplexed inside him as he knew that the cross awaited him. And he prayed that the Father might allow the cup to pass for him. But in the end, he came to that place of surrender and said, not my will, but yours be done. Because he wanted us to know that he's going to be with us. That he came to suffer with us, for us, so that we could have peace and comfort in knowing that he understands everything we're going through. And Jesus was with his disciples on that day at the table, the night before his crucifixion. And when he gathered all his friends around the table, the disciples that he had walked with, that he had invested in, that he had poured his life into, he took the bread. And when Jesus took the bread, the Bible tells us that he broke this bread. And he said to his disciples, this bread is my body broken for you. Every time you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. His body broken for us. If you have your elements, I want to invite you now to take them and take the bread. As you eat this bread, remember, remember that God took it for you. And also the cup. Jesus, when they had finished eating, took the cup and he poured it out. And as he poured the cup, he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. My blood that heals all your diseases. My blood that forgives you of all your sins. Every time you drink this cup, you do so in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus poured out for you. Mm. You may take the cup now. The blood of Christ shed for you.